1: Hey everybody, welcome back to System Mastery, the podcast where we continue to beat dead horses well after we should have stopped. Like some kind of like horse that that died. Some kind of horse beater. Some kind of dead horse beating of a show. I'm Jeff, that's John, and joining us all the way from actually I forget where you live these days, live, it's TV Zone, James D'AMATO.
0: Hello, heroes. Yeah, uh, I do. St- I do still live in Chicago. I am in Chicago.
1: Oh, OK, that's good. <laughs> I genuinely wasn't sure if you were in Chicago or like Wisconsin or something. I, I don't know where I'm picking this up.
0: I was Why? What? briefly I, I was uh-huh. in Wisconsin. I was moving to a new place in Chicago during the-, the height of covid and people needed to see my apartment and I was mm-hmm. not going to let strangers in my home uh so we we went out to to stay with a friend in wisconsin so for a couple months briefly in
1: wisconsin wonder where where i pulled that out of john's over here acting all incredulous that i just pulled john's over
0: there acting that way because of all the things you could have chosen to remember it was that yeah of all the things you don't remember
2: the one thing you do is a brief stint of james being in wisconsin
1: (laughs) hey i don't pick what my brain remembers Oh, I know. I I wish I did. That'd be great. But we're here today to discuss one of three of the core books for FFG's uh, Star Wars line of role-playing games. And I picked one entirely at random uh, based on the fact that I only own two of them. And uh, (laughs) it was the first one I saw. Congratulations.
0: You picked the most boring one. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Good. i mean we
2: we own the the other interesting one we have the the force one yeah force, I have force and,
1: destiny. and destiny i don't have scum and villainy uh, uh I, edge of the empire i believe is edge the of the empire it was is
2: like,
0: the the proper title. Oh,
1: yeah scum and villainy i believe is the miniatures game oh oh okay i thought it was like because it, it could also be one of the many many uh this game's marketing model is bonker. it's very ffg where they have three core books and each one of them is like seven supplements that are maybe eight pages of extra material and 27 <laughs> pages of fluff and they still cost like 30 bucks. Yep. It's uh yeah. it was quite an enterprise of role-playing game design.
0: Well, they had the Star and, Wars license and they were just like we're going to print as much as possible. I will tell you when these books were coming out. This is just a little fun fact about the the publishing as it uh, hit the public. They would have the beta versions of uh the like next iteration. So like when Edge of the Empire came out, uh the, the next year at Gen Con, they had the beta version of Age of Rebellion. Um and like that was a book that they sold that cost money to buy.
1: Oh yeah. Kind of like how we both recently shelled out for, uh, which playtest was it that we... The Marvel, Marvel.
0: 616.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Actually shelled out real money, dollars. But then again, we turned it into more money because we reviewed it. So I'm not I'm not going to worry about it too much.
0: Yeah, and they, they intend rate. for their whole um, audience to do that, so...
1: Yeah, absolutely, actually, everybody actually who purchases the
0: Marvel 616,
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they assume that everyone's got a lucrative podcast <laughs> based entirely on reviewing old role play or sometimes not even released role-playing games. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Is this one the most boring? I did pick it. I'll admit, I picked it partially at random and partially because I didn't want to discuss the entire mechanics of a role playing game and then the secondary mechanics of force powers.
0: Yes, yes. I mean, like when you look at it, uh, Edge of the Empire is, you know, your Han Solos and and your bounty hunters, uh, which I mm-hmm. I kind of feel like that's a really exciting end of Star Wars. It is not the thing that everybody thinks about first, which is Jedi. Um. Mm-hmm. So, like, when you take away, well, we're not doing Han Solos, we're not doing Bounty Hunters, and we're not doing Jedi, you're left with, I guess, everything else in Star Wars. And, like, you know, Which we'll talk lot. about the specializations and whatnot. I mean, there's a ton, but, like, it's not <laughs> a cool Bounty Hunter. It's It's like... <laughs> I, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it with the specializations, but, like, you'll see that, like, each book is kind of, like, geared towards one of the three main characters. Like, the Han Solo book comes out first, then you've got, uh, like, uh the, the last book is is the Luke book, the, you know, Jedi book, and this one's the Leia mm-hmm. one. So it's got, like, diplomats and command and stuff, which... So,
1: so yeah, the specialization of this book is Rebels, Right? Isn't yes. that am I am I crazy? Is, is well, that, yeah. yeah? It's it's rebels. Like the first one is scum and villains. Like it's people you find in it most. It's easily. everyone on
2: the outskirts. Yeah, and, and then, then this it's one, everyone in the rebellion, and then is, it's everyone that shouldn't exist because there aren't Jedi around.
1: Yeah, this is all the people wearing like you know uh, milk blue and and uh, tan jumpsuits, sitting around with fuzzy seventies beards, listening to Mon Mothma. That's that's this book's. It's is all like exactly Chris Dean and stuff. Well, yeah, I
0: mean, and this book does have this is the fighter pilot books. So like, if you mm. if you were in for Rogue Squadron, this is probably the book that you are uh, picking up. But like, I don't know of of the options available. Like the oh, this is our military fantasy that's very organized instead of like our well you know you're criminals but you're criminals to the empire which is like a fascist regime so you're still doing fun stuff i i don't know to me it was like if i look at all the star wars stuff this is the stuff that would probably go to last except for i guess that's fair the fighter pilots
1: no that's that's very fair i mean admittedly uh we can real briefly mention uh, for people who may have never even picked up one of these games uh the way it works is you pick a career and then each one of the careers you pick has three in the core book there are dozens of extra ones available in various supplements three specializations and in this book yes some of them are legitimately we, we harp on this a lot in heartbreaker books uh a lot of the specializations are like, why would you play that yes. level of specializations where some of them are things like, Oh, I'm a cool scout. I go out in the wilderness and I wear that, you know, that uh, camo trench coat that Han had in the third one. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but then there's, you'd also have things like I'm the quartermaster. I make sure that weapons arrive for other people to use. Yeah. And I do it slowly. It's not but- like I have a, a power where I airdrop weapons, mid fight or anything like that. No, it's I can, I get a skill discount on, on haggling later.
0: And and that is kind of like my thesis of calling this one the most boring one because you can tell like they did have careers for everybody and I'm like, oh, yeah, that that makes sense. That is a thing in Star Wars. But the specializations I kind of feel show that like we didn't have – three ideas for each of these. We kind of had one idea that was interesting <laughs> and maybe a couple for for some of them, but most of them are just like I don't know why you would play this, but we needed three because that's how the book is written.
2: I mean, the interesting thing for me is I mean, the very first one you get, the ace, and the entire thing we were talking about how like oh, that's kind of the one interesting thing you could be in here is like, the fighter pilot. Mm-hmm. Like, you want to be an X-Wing guy. You want to be out there doing cool Star Wars stuff. And there is, under the ace, you can be a pilot. That's one of the whole trees. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, all right, what what the hell else can you be? <laughs> They're like, I guess a gunner in case you wanted to be in the back of the Millennium Falcon or the shooting things. And then just a driver you're
1: like yeah Mm -hmm. i'm the guy who just doesn't go into space yeah that was weird too i mean like i get it uh sure there's there's a driver could describe things like swoop gang member or uh, i don't know someone who's who's driving those atsts if you wanted to play this as an empire book uh but still it it feels like a weird specialization choice where you're like oh i would like to be the guy who is only relevant when there's cars yeah or space cars um really I felt like when they were doing ace it would have been like oh I'm a a light ace like I fly A wings and X wings and I'm a heavy ace I fly B wings and Y wings Oh yeah you'd be like oh I'm I'm going to be like cargo pilot
2: bomber or yeah.
1: you know interceptor Well good news the only supplement I have for this book cuz my old buying model for FFG Star Wars was if I see it on a used shelf I buy it <laughs> only for half off Yes uh so I have stay on target the ace supplement for, uh, for this book. So there's a lot of cool stuff in that one, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, to to, uh, to get to it, there are a lot of things to talk about. This is a... There's a no randomization in character creation. Uh, you are doing the whole thing assembly style. Uh, and it's got a weird hybrid model between getting some build points in the form of XP and also just having things assigned out to you based on choices you make. And yes. honestly, weird hybrid is pretty much the the... the word of of the day when it comes to describing this game
0: yeah uh, uh, I, we, I, I, we it talk- is it is a game that I would say is squarely aimed at literally everyone they can think of um they did not cut mm-hmm. anything from this book they assumed everybody who buy who bought the book would either cut or literally use everything um so <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, it is definitely it's definitely one of those games we we come across them from time to time that that include absolutely everything.
2: One of the weird things for me with Age of Rebellion is, I mean, one this is a huge fucking book,
1: four hundred and seventy pages. I was loath to pick it,
2: and it has so many systems and subsystems in it because of the way that it works, where you're like, all right, we have to have. A bunch of social systems and military systems because this is all about the rebellion and you've got diplomats and you've got uh like leaders and tacticians and shit like that but then you're also looking at well we have to deal with x-wing pilots and you know y-wing people and mm-hmm. so we have to have a very in-depth section on like how does it work with flying in space and how you know, because we have an entire specialization for driving. What's it like driving around on a planet? There's all
1: this stuff about, like, vehicular combat, space vehicular combat, weapon mm. maintenance, encumbrance loading, uh, how to pack kits, how, how uh, like, super deep first egg. And one thing you were mentioning it was that uh, the difference between this one and uh, Force and Destiny is that when you look at the eight careers in Force and Destiny, you have eight kinds of Force user. Yeah, so even though you're, like... Oh, we have to add in a thing for
2: force users in this. You're like, yeah, but everyone's picking from the same thing, so it's not like you have to add a ton of new context for things. Whereas Age of Rebellion is like, all right, we gotta have all of these different sections to the book to go with all of these different types yeah. of people you can be.
1: Yeah, it's a very it's a very dense book, and uh, I want to get really quickly into the basic mechanics of the of the game because that's there's a lot of meat on those bones. Oh, yes, uh, there are six stats. There are six statistics which are uh, very similar to, let's say, a certain Wizards of some sort of Coast uh, set of statistics because they're Brawn, Agility, Intellect, Cunning, Willpower, and Presence. Uh, they aren't exact maps, but they're close enough to, to uh, the D&D stat break. Uh, that said, they don't run the same numbers. They The uh, average for a person, I believe, is two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some species will start with a one in some things and threes in others. Uh, but you have those six stats and... Uh, and then you have a skill system that builds off of that. Uh, you you pick a couple of skills, and by small amounts of ranks, a starting character can have more, can't have can have more than two ranks in any given skill. And uh, this is what builds into the game's very weird core mechanic that is based on a set of custom dice.
0: Yes. And, and I, I, I want to come in and say, because this is where the system is most criticized, is the custom dice. And I mm-hmm. want to... Own up to things, own up to certain things, and also go to bat for certain things. First of all, yes, (laughs) there are custom dice, and there is a learning curve to understand those custom dice because they use symbols on those dice. Um, And a lot of people find those to be very confusing. And the custom dice are quite expensive, I think you need to buy, like, I I really do believe if you were going to play this or Genesis or anything that is, like, floating around this, I think there's an L5R uh, that uses this system, Um, you need to spend $15 on, uh, or you need to spend two $15 sets of dice in order to, like, have a kit that should give you enough dice to actually make all of the rolls that you need, which is a pretty heavy buy-in uh, for just dice. Like, you know, we, we talk about uh, buy-ins for, for RPGs like being pretty significant uh, in, in certain respects, but like just spending $30 on dice I think is quite a bit. You could also just put in for the $4 app that gives you as many dice as you need, but after mm-hmm. that, you have to learn how to use the dice. I do think once you learn how to use these dice, it is faster than any like system that that requires you to do basic math. Uh, I, I will die on that hill, um, but yeah, like is it a is it a cash grab? Probably, uh, you know. <laughs> but also, I think the results. I prefer using a dice system like this to pretty much any other game that is like kind of batting in the same court when we talk about like a kind of crunchy game that like, I still want narrative things out of, uh, I would rather go towards a Genesis type system than like, like, uh, I guess, I guess, a, a money cook cipher system, for instance, I, I would rather be using this than, than one of the others. That's now, fair.
2: I am going to have some questions for you uh-huh. <laughs> later on. later uh-huh. on. There will, be, there will be a moment where I definitely <laughs> want to get into some stuff after we explain mechanics a little bit more. Okay. Sure, but, sure, sure, sure. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but just to uh, do a quick uh, explanation on how you get your dice, uh, you have points and stats, points and skills, and instead of it being additive, so like, oh, if I have a three and a stat and two and a skill... Instead of it being like, I have five dice, which would be sort of a normal thing you'd see in a game. Mm -hmm. Instead, it is take the larger number. That will be your base set of dice. Then take the smaller number of your stat or skill. And then that's how many of those dice you will upgrade to better versions of those dice. Yes.
1: And let me really quick here just explain that there are six basic dice in this game um, that come in d eight. D twelve and D six models. There are. There's also. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying yes. Okay. There is also a uh, a force and destiny die, which I believe I haven't seen it in it's forever. A D12. It's a D twelve. It's a D twelve. Yes, uh, but that one's not really super relevant here. It. it uh, and then also you need percentile. Uh, but those dice come. The the six core dice come in two flavors: good ones and detrimental ones. Uh, the basic die is a green D eight, which will have symbols on it that are either. Uh, success. Uh, like or advantage, advantage, and I believe also one critical, or is that a That's on the only? On the That's only dice. on the twelve. On the d twelve, okay. Uh, then the d twelve has those hit and advantage Uh-oh, symbols no. as well, but also They've has formally dropped the. Now. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. Also has the critical or triumph success, which is like an even better, way better success. Yeah. And then for each one of those dice, you are mirrored by bad dice. So where you have a yellow d twelve that's the advantage or good die you have a red d12 that's like the detrimental super bad die uh, a, a a purple purple d8 purple. and all, and then like a black or something d6 yeah
2: then you've got blue and black for your sort of s- somewhat advantage somewhat disadvantage
1: yeah those ones cover things like environmental they you th- those are ones you can kind of argue and throw in based on on external factors so if, you, yeah. if you're like, oh, I'm I'm going to shoot that guy with my sniper blaster, uh, then you're like, great. Well, because you took an extra turn aiming or because the wind is unfavorable, I'll give you one blue die for extra turn aiming and I'll throw in a black die for bad wind. That kind of thing.
0: Yeah, they're the equivalent of like the plus one minus one system that you would see in a dungeon or dragon game.
1: And where we mention that those those good uh dice will have symbols that say either like success advantage or or uh triumph on them, you will have opposite uh failure disadvantage, and i dread i think is like the uh, is something like that that's the the super bad symbol
0: yeah despair is is the despair super thank bad you one
1: yes um, and those counter out so when you build a die pool. Uh, you will be told the difficulty number of dice to include that are bad. So when you're saying, I would like to, I'm going to stick with my sniping a guy example, you say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to snipe a guy. I'm pretty far away. Then the uh, the person running the game will say, okay, well, because of the range, I'm going to have you add four of the purple bad d8s the uh the the difficulty dice so you're gonna put those in there then one black die for the uh the wind i mentioned earlier and you're gonna say great no problem and i'm gonna shoot and i have a uh, agility of four so i have four uh green dice i'm gonna put in and a uh heavy shooting of two uh i don't remember if heavy shooting covers sniper blasters or not let's just go easy on me that on that would, one yeah uh yeah because there's two kinds of shooting <laughs> um mm-hmm. good shooting and bad shooting there's, there's light shooting and heavy shooting um and you say, I have two skill points in that, so that means you're going to take four green D8s, take two of them away, upgrade those to nice yellow D12s because you have two skill points in the relevant skill, and then you're going to roll all of that. You're going to roll basically two green D8s, four purple D8s, two yellow D12s, one blue D6 and one black D6, and then you're going to count all the results you get, uh, have them cancel each other out, And then you're going to see how much advantage, disadvantage, critical hits, successes and failures you have, and so on. Uh, Because advantage basically is like your yes and or no but mechanic. Yes. um, Where if you, if you, go ahead.
0: Yeah, so so you've got uh, like your successes and failures, which just determine the binary, do I do the thing that I was trying to do? Then you have your advantages and threats, which are like, is something a little extra good happening or a little extra bad happening that doesn't determine whether I succeed or fail, but determines still how the scene moves? Then on Mm -hmm. top of that, you have your triumphs and despairs, which are the only symbols that do not cancel out. Uh, So you can roll a triumph and have a critical success on the same turn that you roll a despair and have a critical, like, bad thing happen to you um, that may not actually cancel out your success. But they do cancel because both of them count as a success and a failure regardless.
2: So they do cancel out success and failure wise, but like the, you know, Triumph can let you do, uh, super cool stuff with your weapons or things like that. And then Despair fucks your shit. So
1: the thing I really wanted to get at is that this is, I I don't, I don't really have a strong beef against the custom dice. I think they're fine. I've been okay with FFG and their goofy dice since they did an edition of Warhammer Fantasy. Mm. Um, but, uh. Oh, Warhammer Fantasy, the role playing game, not the not the. They didn't do any of the tabletop. Anyway, uh, I'm okay with, the, with with the weird dice. Um, the thing I, I've always found fascinating about this is that it's uh, it, it's uses such a narrative abstract mechanic of like seeing how many failures and successes and advantage and disadvantage you have, and you think that sounds very nebulous, very almost like I don't know PBTA or fady, where it's sort of interpretive, it's in the ether, it's up to the interpretation of the table, except that you can take things like, oh, I have two advantage. That means that something good happens when I shoot. Like, I don't know, maybe I knocked part of his armor loose so it's going to fall off later. Or wait, I could also spend two advantage to activate an extremely technical mechanical function on my gun. (laughs) Yes, yes, that's true. Which is really weird that you spend these ultra-narrative tools to activate these super-crunchy uh, gear porn things that seem to be the, the dominant feature of this game. It depends. I I don't, I don't hate it.
0: It depends on the group that you're playing with, honestly, like how you run them. Um, I think if you have a GM who is, like, down to run for narrative players and, like, super heavy crunch players, then it can be a thing where, like, yeah, your narrative players can go, oh, yeah, I'd like to knock a piece of armor loose if I could. And you can go, yeah, sure, whatever. I don't care. And uh, the gear player can be like, I would like to activate the spinning of my blaster in order to (laughs) reduce the heat sinking or, or, or whatever. And the GM's response can be, yeah, sure i don't care um like it all works it and it all works together uh which i think is neat i mean i've played this game now for like seven years um if you count genesis as the same game and i absolutely do Um, and we've always uh trended towards the you know more narrative uh things because I, i i don't have the patience for for the heavy gear mechanics though like uh, when i was uh, when i was more of a player i i did occasionally like invest in that so that i could get crits more easily or whatever
1: yeah i i have my usual this is my uh my one anecdote about trying to play this kind of game And when we see i was this is the thing i was going to bring up later mm-hmm. my my anecdote the the playing this game okay because we yeah we tried playing this game once we were setting up to do our own ap in this game mm-hmm. um we ended up we ended up not doing it was a long time ago don't worry but we, you didn't miss anything um but what we we made some really cool characters i mean we we had some we had a great stuff we were going to do and i had this cool uh, my character had, was going to be a little older and a little wiser was the idea we even gave him like more xp to compensate cuz he was going to act as like the master to a couple of padawans oh, uh, yeah. but there's there's a point in the story where the two of them are running for their lives from like inquisitors or something and trying to trying to find safety and i step out of a hallway and i do kind of a quick come with me if you want to live speech right mm mm-hmm. mhm and Uh, the the, the game master for the round is like, great, here's your pool, assemble it, roll it. And I'm like, great, everybody, you need to come with me if you want to live. I understand that, you know, I had this whole big speech I was doing and I got a couple of stunt dice for it and everything. I rolled, we spent a few minutes counting the results of everything and every (laughs) single result, and this is my first die roll, my introduction to my character, every single result canceled out every single other result.
0: Yep, so that is a failure.
1: That is just a... See, no
2: now, flavor failure. Normal normal failure. This is what I was going to bring up later, but <laughs> Jeff has brought it up now. I'm sorry. Uh, which is, I don't know, because I've never listened to anything you've ever done, because I don't care for you. Yeah, of course. But <laughs> <laughs> when you have been playing this game, how much do you find the results tend to favor players or not, because that game, we keystone cops our way around everything. Like, wow. I don't think we ever managed to do anything successfully (laughs) outside of like oh sweet jesus thank god
1: i got one success (laughs) is it a game where you need to start with a lot of xp and you're supposed to bumble around at the beginning or
0: um uh, you know i i would say that this is a game that generally is waited for the player i mean you can on page i guess 19 this is a pdf so i'm not sure um on on page Mm. 19 like you can look at the spread of results on each die face um and, like, they are not one-to-one. Uh, the the dice are set up differently. You are technically, like, there's just a smaller likelihood that you will succeed than fail for this game. Um, and, yeah, once you start getting more XP, those failures get less and less frequent. Um I I never felt like we didn't roll super well. I mean, I guess although if you listen to Star Wars campaign, a lot of people told me that I didn't roll very well. Um, but <laughs> like, but but apart from that, yeah, I, I've never felt like uh, I couldn't succeed at anything. Though I will say that is the one thing that when we moved over to to Skyjacks in the Genesis system that I changed uh, was the neutral result of of like everything canceling out. We draw a luminary for that instead of uh, just treat it as a failure because it's. I I, Like, it's the most flavorless result that you can get for the game. There are no net successes. There are no net failures. There's none of, like, the stuff that makes this game fun to play with uh, there. So we just, you know, shift away from it entirely. Um, I think if I were to run without, uh, like, a luminary thing driving it, I would just be like, hey, you can choose to succeed or choose to fail. But if you choose to succeed, it's at some kind of cost. Um, because that that neutral result does suck ass
1: i mean my anecdote is mostly just a funny story Uh, to me it mostly is instructive about how to run ap's which is really really think about whether or not you're going to call for roles yeah (laughs) because like hey 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 you two other pcs come with me if you want to live is a great moment to just go yeah we should just go with that guy that's that's narratively what should happen
0: what was the difficulty of that role
1: (laughs) here's i don't remember it's been years here's
2: the Uh, thing is it wasn't like oh, this is a role for a speech or anything, we were being chased by slavers. Mm, okay, you mm-hmm. remember And so this. it was like, all oh, right, I'm going to get my lightsaber out and be like, hey, screw these guys, and then nothing happened. And you're like, cool. Oh, that's what it I'm was. a cool Jedi. That's right. I yeah. brought my lightsaber out, and these <laughs> slavers watched me go, whoa. <laughs> that's
1: <laughs> what it was. I had forgot. I, my memory is not great. I just remember the, the only part of the anecdote I remembered was the rolled nothing but uh, but yeah now that you're saying that yeah I was like uh get behind me you two and then I pulled my cool yellow lightsaber and I was like oh you you slavers want to dance and it was just like the lightsaber sputtered or something uh, you're
2: like no it. you sure do wave that around a little
1: <laughs> they don't care though oh, I guess funny. they've all seen one uh anyway anyway it's just an anecdote it's not important um so let's talk about when you build a character in this that's First thing you're going to do is, weirdly enough, pick a uh, a mo an obligation or a, a what was it? uh, It's I mean, first thing you're going to do is pick a species. Species, sir. We'll start there. You pick a species. The book comes with a number of them. Obviously, humans. Uh, this is the one with droids, which is one of the weirdest things in uh the FFG Star Wars games is the droid construction rules. Mm-hmm. Um, droids are so weird to me in that they are
2: simultaneously the worst thing you can be out of the gate. And the most broken thing you can be by endgame. Yes.
1: Uh, There's also a number of species that just kind of make sense for... Uh, What this is for Age of Rebellion because it's sort of the rebels. So you've got things like the Moncals, obviously, because you have GL Akbar, uh, Ithorians, because they're famously peaceful, Bothans, because a lot of them died for this information, mm-hmm. uh,
2: Sulistans, because they need to. Well,
1: because Nien Num is the most famous Sulistan, and he was one of the. He was there. He was famously there. Yeah, and he famously, he was like. He was. Who else you want to listen to? Lando? <laughs> <laughs> what, do you want to listen to some kind of main character do a thing? No, I don't think so. Give me that Nien Numb. Uh, and, and plus a couple of other species. I, I don't Duros. even remember which other ones are in here. Uh, and, du- oh, and right, Grand. Duro. Big deal. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Gran is a weird one, yeah. I gotta well, say. Well,
1: let's, let's, be, let's be fair. Regis is the only Gran most people are... Um, if, you, if you like pod racing a lot, you also know Mahonic... Uh, those are the two named Gran I'm aware of. Rii is a Mon Isley, Mos Eisley Cantina guy. Yep. Or, no, I'm sorry, Jabba Sail barge guy. Uh, sure, the, why not? Which suggests that he, he'd probably Star be more Wars. edge of the Empire than anything else. But the Kin-Yen, the planet Kinyan where Gran are from, are, is, like, is like super peaceful and agrarian and deeply under the boot of the Empire. So it makes sense that they'd be rebelling
0: the the thing the the reason i think that gran showed up in this book is edge of the empire is the first book that comes out so they're trying to really get all the hits in that book like they want the some of the most interesting species like front and center and it's mm-hmm. like well we got to we got to round out this book somewhere and we can't use any of the cool force people so gran i guess you know people recognize that
2: <laughs> Oh, it's definitely a look around the Moss Eisley cantina scene. Who haven't we used? Yep. You,
1: well, again, he's a job of sail barge guy. Uh, but, I mean, you're, you're saying there aren't people, everyone else isn't exactly like me and they can't name all of the named Gran in the Star Wars canon. <laughs> yeah.
0: Have, uh, I, Jeff, I can let name, me ask you see. a question. When you played that Jedi,
1: was it a Gran? <laughs> no, that was No! A no, it wasn't! <laughs> See, that was the problem. (laughs) I should never play a human. You should never play humans. I I normally wouldn't. I did it because I found a picture I liked. That was the only reason that character was human.
2: Mm, It's a shame. (laughs) I mean, I can only name two grands.
1: Well, there are only... Grandma and Grandpa, you know what I'm saying. (laughs) Boom! (laughs) Also, Grand Tarkin.
2: (laughs) Uh and if you like humor like that, you can learn how to do improv with Skillshare.
0: <laughs> can you really? I don't know. <laughs> Probably. It's not hard to
1: teach. Uh, <laughs> throw an energy ball. <laughs> hey, uh, so when you choose a species, you're going to get a couple of little bonuses here and there. First of all, it gives you a stat spread that's the same for every member of that species. You can modify it with a, pool, a small pool of XP that you're given during character creation. Uh, but out the gate, all... Moncals have the exact same stat spread, for example. Uh, you also will usually get a uh, a little, like, racial ability or power or something. Um, for example, you may get better perception or minor force ability, something like that. Uh, I think, for example, uh, Ithorians, because of their big double throats, can get uh, their singing in stereo and actually stunning from, from by yelling at people effects as their powers. Uh, you also get a skill bonus, a couple other little bonuses here and there, and then... Some strong recommendations about what that co- that kind of uh, species would be into. Um, you know, like <laughs>
2: what are you into? Huh? Well, yeah, they mentioned no, both. I just- thought it
1: funny that they were like ends should be spies because they're little. They're like the reason so many bothins are constantly dying for information is because they're like four foot six, so they're just always squishing themselves into places and getting murdered that way. Yeah, yeah,
0: you know, I mean, uh I can't remember that that little species that that are the bat people, but like Chadrafan, yeah, the Chadrafan, Chadrafan should be even better spies by that logic.
2: Yeah, but they're way better at cooking gumbo and being <laughs> <laughs> and being swamp drivers.
1: <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you think Ewoks and Jawas and so on would be obviously all natural spies based on the fact that they are small.
0: Yeah, I mean, it is very funny to see the people writing this book kind of have to, like, flail at, this is why there are monocultures in Star Wars. This is why everybody has the same job.
1: (laughs) Yeah, one of the things I liked that I didn't know until I read this book in particular is that um, they really tried to keep the uh, the numbers small when it comes to people in the rebellion by mentioning that uh, the B-Wing as a fighter was designed by Admiral Ackbar. Like, yeah. it's not just that he's a cool military admiral who's got, like, a, a decades of military experience and all that. Also, he's a competent ship designer who invented the B-Wing. Yeah, of course. Which I guess means he used to work for Ken Sarah, and for Enterprises, and it's just It's just neat to learn. Uh, anyway, once you pick a species, you then go and pick a career. Uh, this game, again, has uh, eight careers. Uh, I don't remember the top-level ones off the top of my head. Ace, I know, is one of them. Uh, engineer.
2: Diplomat. Diplomat. Commander.
1: Yeah uh i I, each one of them further has and the way careers work in this game is very simple uh when you pick a career you will be given a list of skills that are class skills for that career uh usually there's there's eight of them and you get to choose one rank each in four of those skills yes then you choose a specialization so for example if you are a uh an engineer, you may choose something like quartermaster or scientist or inventor or something like that as your uh, as your specialization. And the, the specialization does two things. One of them is it gives you four more skills, and you get to pick ranks in two of them. And if you happen to have an overlap, and there often are, then you end up with two ranks, and now you're done with that skill. Because you can't start character creation with more than two ranks in any skill. Mm-hmm. The other thing specializations give you is these big-ass talent trees yes uh which are very weird
0: yeah uh and they did away with these into in genesis they they just stopped doing it um i don't particularly love the talent trees um and i didn't think they were they f- a very necessary thing but like i don't know
1: <laughs> they feel like old world of warcraft in in how small the benefits that they will provide are sometimes um, and it's an interesting mix of some of the benefits straight up doing something obvious and easy. Like, Oh, you, if you pick uh toughened, for example, you get a bonus to your wound, uh, threshold, yeah, just two more wounds, just two more wounds to your wound threshold. Very straightforward. Some of the capstones take extreme specific difficulties to hit, to accomplish things that are purely narrative in, in scope. Uh, for example, if you choose agitator, which is one of the diplomat careers, basically the person who goes out and tries to like start riots against the empire, uh, they're, capstone like the best thing they can get out of their talent tree is sort of incite rebellion and you have to make a difficulty three role using some i forget which skill it is specifically but it's very specific what you have to do to make this effect happen but what the actual effect is is a set number of people equivalent to your uh i believe some your total ranks in some skill it just says become rebellious Yeah, which is not capitalized. It's not a term in the game anywhere. It's just like, hey, you finally made it. You made it to the end of the skilled cap tree, which means you've got hundreds of XP and you can make four people become rebellious for a while.
0: Yeah, there wasn't a lot of flavor in many of the abilities. Like I remember with Bacta, uh, I, I really didn't get a super exciting ability until I went into like the expanded trees that you could go through and some of the expanded books where one of them was like literally you can make a hard check. uh, I can't even remember what kind of skill check it was, but it would allow you to remove every minion from the scene. So you could literally be in a scene with a hundred stormtroopers and like one, you know, inquisitor. And I'd be like, okay, I've made my role. I spend... Uh, the scene doing like like this round doing this and i take out all 100 stormtroopers so they did eventually get some spice in there but most of the skill tree abilities are like oh i'm mildly better at things that are related to my class uh and that was it yeah
1: yeah now i'm not really trying to review one book i read and two books i didn't so i'm just going to talk about the duty system and not the obligation and light side dark side systems from the other two books
0: yeah let's talk about the duty system because i don't love it
1: (laughs) (laughs) Duty. (laughs) it's weirdly again this book is interesting because it's it's duty is sort of similar to like a a little bit alignment a little bit xp it's kind of overcomplicated and yet it's also very narrative in terms of what it is well the The thing about duty in this game
2: that you start with a set amount Mm -hmm. and you can spend what is essentially social experience to get character experience Mm -hmm. or money because you're like, all right, here's 15 duty. You can spend five or ten of it to get some extra like character construction XP or some extra cash to buy equipment with. And there's no real
1: reason not to? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because the only thing you're really holding yourself off from is that basically each person starts with a duty rank based on how many players there are in this campaign setting. So if you're running like a four-player game, everyone starts, I think, with only like five or ten, fifteen duty. Uh, And you can spend five or ten duty to unlock either extra experience, like you just said. I'm not, I didn't forget. I'm just reinforcing. I don't know. I, I I see you over there <laughs> shaking your head at me, even though I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to. <laughs> if you got a problem, we can put it in my performance review. Amazing even though I'm how the much boss. of this show is
0: <laughs> Jeff having to justify himself? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I should just stop looking at John while I'm recording. Just <laughs>
0: never look at me because sh- <laughs> it's always
2: just shame and sadness.
1: <laughs> anyway, uh the other thing I, I wanted to mention is that when you pick, we didn't mention it when I said you pick a species, is that you also get a pool of starting XP. Uh, you also get a starting HP and strain rating, but that's we'll get into that later. Um, you get a small amount of starting XP, and you can trade some of that duty obligation for, for more starting XP. And yeah, like John was saying, there's not really a good reason not to, because the only thing duty does otherwise is at at the start of sessions, the... DM, I forget what you call the game master in this game. I'm going to go with with GM. GM, we're going GM. Uh, The GM will take everyone's duty, current score, and write them down in order largest to smallest and create a percentile score out of that. So let's say that the three of us were playing a game and you had a duty of 26 and I had a duty of 20 and James had a duty of 15. We would go John at the bottom of the heap, 1 through 26, 27 through whatever would be me, and then whatever through whatever, I don't feel like doing math, would be James. (laughs) It tops out somewhere in the 60s, and at the start of the game, the ST will, GM, will roll percentile dice, and if they roll above that number, then nothing important happens for anybody. If they roll below that number, then the person who is in that duty segment will have special duty this game and will get, like, bonus XP.
2: Yeah. Well, because you also pick what your duty category is. Because it's not just I have a duty to the rebellion, which is what everyone has. You have to pick what is my thing. Mm -hmm. Like you could be, oh, my thing is getting materiel, or my thing is recruiting Mm -hmm. people, Mm -hmm. or straight up sabotaging Imperial equipment, whatever it happens to be. Yeah. And then the person running the game, if they roll one of your things is like, oh, I should probably put, a chance
1: to do that in this session. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you also get a little bit of bonus XP out of doing that. Now, the other thing that happens is you gain duty for accomplishing tasks at, during during gameplay. So these numbers are going to consistently go up as you're playing. Um, and eventually you'll hit a point where the, number, the, the party members have so much duty between them that there's more than 100. So rolling percentile doesn't really work anymore at that point you everyone cashes in their duty yeah you prestige yeah you basically prestige everyone cashes in their duty there's a small list of reward options including things like oh you guys are a- a- assigned a starship and it's commission or a series of y-wing fighters or some really cool guns a nice car a bunch uh, of guys <laughs> mini fridge that you know that kind of thing and then you start your du- your uh, duty over after you kind of prestige and rank up
2: yeah well thinking and uh, yeah,
1: duty
0: I've... is essentially Pepsi points for the rebellion uh, puts things into sharp <laughs> relief there
1: it, it, uh, there's certain parts of this book that make a lot of sense to me, where it' be mean, things like uh oh if you've if you've prestige duty like four times, then yeah, you're a friggin general in the rebellion, and that explains a lot because I remember being really grumpy at the start of return of the or Re- return of the Jedi, where they were like, "Oh yeah, every main character is just a general now." General Solo, and I'm like, dude, that guy's never commanded any troops. Don't you give him a commission? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, but he got so many XP. <laughs> he does. He's prestiged so many times because of all the Jabba stuff. We gotta make him a general. That's just how it works. He just kept playing modern warfare and prestiged <laughs> so many times. General Lando Calrissian, get out of here. That guy sold us to Vader a year ago. <laughs> <laughs>
0: How many at Death most Stars has he destroyed since then, though? Is it one? None. This, it's, it's one. It's none. It's he destroys one, one at the That's end of enough. that
1: movie. End of the movie, he destroys one. He's a general before it. I guess he cashed in that he was guaranteed to destroy a Well, Death he was star. in the group. See, and it's all
2: about group duty. Yeah. So technically, he just got... <laughs>
1: that movie Grandfather uh, that movie was like all right i get i get general leia because she was already high ranking that's fine uh but and i like that they don't even bother with luke like luke's not a general he doesn't want to be he's he off around. doing jedi stuff yeah but han who's been frozen for the past two years hey he's in the party <laughs> duty rolled over y'all get it yeah
0: that's, i just love just imagining kind of the guy who got passed over for generalship mm-hmm. for han solo
1: Yeah, you know it's someone with a name, too. It's like Biggs Darklighter or Wedge. Like, oh, we were going to make you General Wedge Antilles, but, ah, you know, Han got unfrozen, and it's all politics. (laughs) (laughs) I do got to... I mean, just
2: in the the base mechanics of the game, man, you got to feel... Like, taking that example, if you're Han Solo in someone's game, and you're like, yeah, my duty score is like five. Who gives a shit? And then... (laughs) You're playing in a group, and Leia's like, yeah, and I've got 80, and we just went over the cap, so we all go to zero again. He's like, oh, sweet. Great. I didn't contribute shit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Nice. I think we should get a Millennium Falcon. That's my suggestion.
0: Duty is a mechanic, which this mechanic shows up in one form or another in all three other core books, um, that feels to me very much... Like, if you don't know how to run a role-playing game and share focus between different character stories, this is why Duty exists. Um, hm uh, And that's, that's really, really that. it. It's like a mechanic that exists for the game master. It's like, hey, every once in a while, if your players are doing well, you should throw them a fucking bone and give them a free cool new ship or a new base or something. Change things Honestly, up. Honestly, I love it. Um, Yeah, but but, you know, not every group is going to need this. And I think like if I were to try and play with this, I would grow tired of it very, very quickly. Well, I think it for me
2: is much like the advantage system in this in that you've got a giant fucking table of you can spend X amount of advantages to do various mechanical things and for a group that's like, if I look at a guy and go, I have two advantages, what does that even mean? And, you know, the people around the table or the person running it is like, man, I don't know, my brain is fried. They have a table where you can go, okay, just fucking pick something from this. And the same thing with duty, it's like, all right, I just, I don't, I don't really know what's going on. But it's like, hey man, maybe throw a bone, give... Give something that you can sabotage to your sabotage guy. And you're like, oh,
1: okay, sure, I'll do that. Yeah, one thing I got to say, we've only reviewed one other Star Wars book. Like, I didn't realize I had Saga until yesterday. Um, <laughs> but but we reviewed West End Game Star Wars, and it was practically the opposite of this. Yeah. Where most of the advice in the book was like, did your players get something cool? You got to get that shit away from them.
0: <laughs> yeah, can't I can't let them have cool <laughs> Stuff. That shows you the difference between modern gaming sensibilities and uh, older gaming sensibilities. Uh, this, yeah, I, I, I think I think it is well written, but it definitely assumes that people don't know how to do things, and so you know applies mechanics in case you don't know how to run a game.
2: Yeah, I would I would definitely say that the FF, Star Wars, and RPG stuff in general does really feel like this is a 500 page book because not only did we need to put everything in there but we needed to be able to make sure we had handholds for everyone yes mm-hmm.
1: i mean let's one thing that's very clear here is that this book is big because it's big like i i don't think i've ever seen it I, I, is it I, I don't that's not just a tautology what i'm saying is it's big because it's overstuffed this book has two skill or two different skills you can invest in that control initiative roles based on what kind of initiative role you need to make were you mildly surprised by the initiative role you have to make a cool role were you planning this one you have to make a vigilance role it's the are opposite, you better at vigilance yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is i thought being cool under fire was was the uh Co- the cool role v- so vigilance
0: like- is when you're not expecting it and cool is when you are expecting it
1: uh, okay, that's that's fair. Um, but in any event, it's just like, oh well, do I have way more invested in Cool than Vigilance? that I better try and set up all the combats. Yeah, uh, it, it, the game has a lot of stuff in it. Like it's not just a huge book because it's, you know, trying to make sure that pl- new players know what they do. Also, it very much fills the page space with a million different things that you can do during gameplay. Uh, so when you when you have picked your 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 uh, your specialization. Uh, You may want to choose some stuff from that talent tree that there there are are three things you can spend XP on and your starting character will have a pool between like 90 and about 175 XP. you you get 175 if you're a droid
2: because droids start at one across the board in every stat Mm -hmm. and that extra 75 XP is not enough to
1: get tattoos across the board. (laughs) Not even close. Uh, but that's because you can play as some really seriously why are you playing this droids? I mean, it mentions like playing as a 2-1-B. Those things can't even walk. Yeah, you could play as a fucking gonk droid if you want to. At yep. least those have feet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, so you spend that XP on raising your basic statistics uh, at a cost of 10 times your current ranking or t- I think it's 10 times, maybe 10 times the ranking you're going for. Uh, You can use them to purchase ranks in skills, but again, not going above two. And you can purchase things from that specialization tree, uh, which works like any other uh, talent tree you've seen before, where there are both levels that you can go down and also bars that connect them. So you have to... They have prereqs. They have prereqs. You have to fill in the prereqs. Yeah. Uh, You don't really get... You think 100 starting XP sounds good. It is not. It does not go very far.
0: No, it does not. And, and, like, the assumption that they make with starting characters that they try to lay out, but I, I really think they only try to lay out for the successfully for the people who have played RPGs before, is once you pass character creation, you can't invest XP in your core abilities. Uh, th- that only well, comes through, right. like, capstone stuff. So their assumption is that the majority of XP that you spend on character creation is is on abilities and maybe you will throw a little bit into skills maybe you'll throw a little bit into your tree but really all of that stuff starts with getting xp in the game or getting like extra xp for being like powerful characters to start out
1: I'm I'm going I'm going to go ahead and go to the bat for not doing that and house ruling it out if you're if you currently playing a game that does that because it is way too metagamy to to uh, tell starting players like hey, here's, here's 100 extra-
2: XP, only use it on
1: stats. Yeah, and cuz we there's other games that have made that mistake. Exalted 2nd edition made that mistake in a really big way where uh, it was better to either put one rank or five ranks in skills but nothing in between. Uh because the math didn't work in your favor. Brilliant. if you didn't during during gameplay. But character- that's a gameplay.
2: bonus versus XP thing. Yeah, that's but, that's
1: different. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's slightly different in terms of the mechanics behind it, but it still is sort of a... Metagame th- system master. Things change after character creation. And yeah. it never leads to a, to a, a, a well-rounded starting character. It, it leads to everyone making idiot savants because they're like, well, my character's got fours in all of his stats, but he doesn't know how to do anything. Because <laughs> well, th- learning how to do stuff, I can do later.
0: The thing that I will say is that uh when when i do stuff with this system uh when we get to like the first level up point i still allow people to to invest in abilities because i do kind of want them to spend some of their points on skills to start with uh but mm-hmm. you cannot you you do have to stop allowing that because the system will fall apart if people can consistently just put stuff into their abilities because it puts more dice on the table and another is die is so much more powerful than an upgraded die like you might be missing out on crits but like in raw terms of like success versus failure uh th- there's no contest so you do need to limit that at some point um I, but i i would agree i i'd say like yeah starting characters i'd give them an extra 50 points to play with just because It is idiot savant town
1: otherwise. I would say that, I mean, at this point we're just bandying around house rules, but the one I would throw out is you have a pool of available upgrades to your stat points that you start with. Like, over the course of your career, you can upgrade your stats five times, Mm. and that's it. Uh, So that you you have room for growth potential on both categories, but you do eventually hit a cap.
0: But anyway. um, Fair enough. However you want to do it, they put... You know, almost 500 pages in this book, and they couldn't come up with a good system for that. So whatever.
1: (laughs) Uh, You once you have picked your talents and so on, you will also get uh, wound and strain thresholds. And that's another thing that's worth talking about. Uh, Wound threshold is how much you can take before you actually have to mark down like a critical injury of some kind.
0: Yes, uh, is that um, right,
1: or is it just straight up until you fall unconscious?
0: It's so the crit system in this <laughs> is a little complicated, but but you are kind of <laughs> on the money in that when you run out of wounds, if you take more wound damage, you roll on the crit chart, and every time you roll on the crit chart, you add ten to the percentile roll on the crit chart, which brings you closer and closer to to more severe consequences. Um, yeah, and also there are certain it also. Crit- Weapons and things that will add to that, but like, yeah, you don't die when you run out of wounds, which is confusing for a lot of people. But then you can also
2: heal or not even heal, just get past the point where a wound does anything detrimental but still exists so that it does increase the severity of future wounds. Which is weird. Yes. Yes. It's like, oh, if you take this wound, then for the next three rounds, you have to do this. And then once those three rounds are gone, you're like, oh, you still have that wound. Yeah. Like, even though it doesn't do
1: anything to you. There's also a strain track, and strain is a couple different things kind of mushed together. Uh, It is uh, basically how tired and physically exerted and mentally exerted you are. Um, So things can inflict strain upon you uh certain mental attacks there are certain weapons that can inflict strain but also you can spend a strain yourself to activate abilities mm-hmm. yes and when you run completely out of strain your character is no longer it's it, you're not unconscious but you're not participatory you just kind of lose all your spoons and sit down <laughs> yes <laughs> so so you want to keep that at a ra- at a
2: reasonable range yeah once you once you Spend all your strain. You get big John energy at that point. <laughs> You're like, ah, no,
1: nah, I'm nah, done. I'm I already did something today. <laughs> you, you guys look like you got this.
0: I'm going to pop open this bag of marshmallows, open a book about ghosts, <laughs> and just coast, baby.
2: <laughs> I'm Look, it's vibe time, all right?
1: Sean's <laughs> always like, you do what you want. I'm playing yet another cell phone CCG that's... That, <laughs> That's apparently about family guy or something.
0: <laughs> I might fuck around and write a novel. You
1: don't know. I'm not
0: helping you. You anymore. don't know what I'm
1: doing. It's true. You never know what John's writing. I think he's got like three projects going right now. You
2: never know what's going on in my weird projects folder.
1: Because, I mean, we have one project we're working on together, and then John's got like another four. <laughs> I'm
2: like I'm like a little gremlin.
1: <laughs> he's always working on something. What else do we want to talk about? Um the gear system in this game is I mentioned gear porn earlier as a concept and I had only encountered it previously because the only book of these I had read was Force and Destiny, and that one went like six uh, six scrolls deep on lightsaber construction and what kind of crystals you can use and mm-hmm. building lightsabers that do or don't set people on fire. <laughs> it was it was very conf- and this one does the same thing, but it's it's uh, weapon and armor upgrades. So Which get, let yeah. me
2: just say, at the start when you are a starting character. Baby, you got a light pistol and a pocket full of dreams. You cannot afford
1: shit. Yeah, your starting money is enough to buy a light pistol and heavy clothes, and ba- that's what you bought. <laughs> you don't start with much, and that's okay, because, you know, what did Luke start with, really? Oh, right, a lightsaber. Oh, yeah. Yeah, pretty much from ten minutes into the first movie. Eh, well, yeah. Yeah. Someone gave it to him. It's fine. Uh, but, yeah, you, you, you don't get that much gear to start, but there is a crapload of it in the galaxy to go get. Oh, my gosh. And you there can do so, many so much with it. Like there, everything's upgradable.
0: Yeah, everything. And has... This game uses- There's a hardness point system uh, for upgrading gear, where basically there are a bunch of different upgrades. Which this is a thing that annoys me about the construction of this book. There are upgrades that you can buy that give you weapon qualities. And those are separate sections. It The gear section mm-hmm. like opens with weapon qualities. Then it shows you the gear. Then it shows you the upgrades that you can put on the gear that refer you back to the qualities that they opened with. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's a little bit circular. Uh, but like, yeah, the, 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 I think the thing to take home is there is a lot of depth to the gear system. And there's –
1: there's at least one other game we reviewed a long time ago, and I genuinely don't remember what it was, but I remember our, our primary through line in discussing it was that this book uses every rule you've ever heard of, plus a bunch you haven't. And then this <laughs> book is similar to that, in, in that when you're picking gear, you're like, all right, well, I got to know my gears, uh, it, it, how many hard points it has for adding upgrades to its rarity, its black market value, its, its weight, its, its uh, mass. Because, oh boy, does this game ever have encumbrance?
0: Yeah, and someone looked at a Star Wars property and went, we gotta get encumbrance in here. We
1: gotta figure out mm -hmm. how to
0: put encumbrance in this one. And it can't just be based on weight. There's gotta be a weird abstracted,
2: like, one to seven encumbrance yeah. value thing I gotta I remember, know how much that
1: ice cream maker was slowing down Will Rowe Hood
0: I remember that ten minute scene in A New Hope where Chewbacca's just so tired because he has to carry everybody's stuff <laughs>
2: He's so tired, and then he just sat down. He was like, "You know what? Fuck it."
1: We had that when we did West End Game Star Wars that they there was all this stuff about like if you want to repair a starship, you have to like fly it to a dry dock, and then it's going to take six weeks while you like deal with impound fees and stuff. And I was like, "Dude, I've I've watched Star Wars. You repair stuff by Chewbacca's in a hole. Anger and tools come flying out of the hole, and now the ship works." Yeah. This is this
2: is science fantasy. You repair a ship by yelling at it and hitting it. Uh-huh.
1: I, I mean... You like, go, please, baby, please.
0: When they talk about the computer skill, they're like, you can use this to open doors. And I'm like, why wouldn't you just shoot the door like in Star Wars? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that seems to be um, a regular thing with Star Wars role-playing games Is is they provide you with all these super complicated rules. And then you go, yeah, but in the movies, they just blast stuff and things just happen. It's... They're just fun. The, the movies are designed around being propulsive, and the game should be as well. And they are, um, and if we, you ignore all yeah. of this
0: stuff. But I, <laughs> if, don't
1: use, if all you do is use those custom dice and roll pools and go like, oh, I got more advantage than disadvantage. This one's going well. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: yeah, I, I will say uh, the gear section does have rarity as a mechanic to, I believe, yes. exclusively reinforce uh the some of the subclasses uh, some of the specializations that they introduced earlier in this book because without rarity those specializations are pointless um yes. and without rarity then who is Pinkie pie gonna hang you out you are not summoning the elements of harmony if she's not in there <laughs> uh exactly <laughs> Though
1: I really I, I, the only one that's that's uh sacrificable on the altar of, of uh functionality is Applejack. I mean uh, Apple everyone else is divided up by like what they are and so on. And then you've got one that's like, I don't know, cowboy, cowboy horse, yep. done.
0: Delt dealt real <laughs> short shrift. Uh I, I, I will point out, because I did read more of the gear section than I think I should have. Justifiably, don't think I should have had to. I'm, I'm way too Probably famous not. to do this. Uh, but I was reading through and like looking at the rarity rules and I go, huh, you know, I've never used this. That's, I guess, a, a thing for this game. And I read the description for slug throwers, which are, you know, the, the guns that use bullets, like like guns in our universe. And they talked about, mm-hmm. oh, these guns are exceedingly rare. Uh, so I was like, Huh, I'm curious about that. Let's let's pop up back to the old the old rarity table, see where they fall. They've got a rarity of three, and blasters, which the book specifically points out are more common, have a rarity of four. So
1: clearly. <laughs> <It's the> rarity- <laughs> I think the rarity system is actually derived by how powerful things are. Like, the only thing in this entire book with a rarity of five is lightsabers.
0: Yeah, with a rarity of ten, because rarity does go up to ten. Um,
1: oh, uh, that's right, yeah. yeah. Which,
0: it, it's just like, why have the rarity system? <laughs> why
1: have the rarity if system? If you didn't have Quartermaster as a career.
0: Yeah, I like, uh <laughs>
1: No, you're absolutely right, and it's funny. We had a behind the scenes moment there where uh, you you uh, reached out to us on, on uh, one of the chat programs and was like, "How do you read these so fast?" And I was like, "We don't. <laughs> you, can, you can you can usually tell about halfway down a page if you're going to mention it in the show or not."
0: Uh- <laughs> the thing that I will point out, uh this is just a fun thing that kind of connects back to West End Game Star Wars is the gear that they have in, in the book, um like there's a lot of different gear, there's a lot of different weapons. They draw the weapons kind of the way they used to draw weapons in West End Game Star Wars. They are these it's black true. and white kind of outline ink drawings which which, you know, that's fun.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I was just thinking about how the rarity of slug throwers is is uh Fairly low, but it says it's really high. And I was like, OK, but who uses rifles in the Star Wars movies at all ever? And I was like, oh, yeah, just Tuskens. Yep. Just Tusken Raiders. They got they got. But, but <laughs> are they getting them from like a super rare store or is it? Why would they just have blasters if those are easier to put your hands on?
2: Well, it's easier for, you know, anyone else
1: to get your hands on a blaster.
2: If you're you're a Tusken Raider, they're like, we don't want to deal with your kind. So you go back and you make your own gun.
1: You make your own rifles, and I guess you don't sell them to anyone else so as to preserve that rarity. Yeah, they're defining the
0: collector's market at that
2: point. They're so rare because at one point in the Star Wars history, the government came for everyone's guns. And only the Tusken Raiders were strong enough to stand up and say, (laughs) no.
1: I think if you outlaw guns if yeah. you Tuscan raider guns, only Tuscan Raiders will have guns.
0: What we're saying is if you value your freedom and your guns, go live in a desert. Go to a desert. That's it.
1: Yeah, it's perfect. Not this one. Go no to a no different... one's
0: gonna take your guns if you go live in the middle of a desert.
2: Just to a, walk a into, into the nearest desert, desert please. Or ocean. You can also walk into the nearest ocean.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because you know Mon Cal up their freedom and their guns.
1: Now, there is the other thing I really wanted to mention before we were done here is that there is so much stuff about ships in this book. And if you're thinking, well, yeah, obviously, the pilots in this book, there are pilot specializations in the Edge of the Empire book and in the Jedi book as well. Uh, And they also have just as much stuff about ships and way more ships as well. Um, these these books are super ship heavy, and the ship combat is extremely detailed. Uh, but only if you bother with it, and you if you're bothering with it, you better hope that most players want to, because otherwise yeah. you have a lot of downtime for them.
0: Yeah, well, uh, I, I will say I'm going to push back on that a little bit because ship combat in this, like, if you are not in separate ships, which maybe this this one is probably assuming separate ships more often, but uh, at least in Edge of the Empire, like ship combat was something where Everybody kind of contributed to what the ship was doing. Everybody could pull maneuvers. Uh, so, like, it's just a different kind of combat, sort of like Shadowrun in how they're sure. three distinct games in Shadowrun. Except uh, in this, they're like, well, all the other players actually contribute in small ways to your distinct game. And, uh, like, I-, I thought I think that's a neat solution um, it's, it's somewhat inelegant, uh, you know, and, and Skyjack's like, I've had to try doing different things because it's hard to make that interesting. Um, but yeah, the, like they treat ship combat as a group activity where kind of everybody has some stuff that they get to do. But some people are like, well, I spend a maneuver to help aim, which is not as fun or cool.
1: Yeah, it's just rolling. It's like when you have to roll assist to dice in a Dungeons and Dragons game. You're just like, "I'm going to study up on liches," and someone else just goes, "I will roll a d20 to see if I help."
2: Or you <laughs> can play the latest edition and not roll anything and go, "I give the help action anyway." Yeah. <laughs> I'll be jerking off in the corner.
1: <laughs> oh, well, if you're doing that, then obviously you need to make a roll for that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'll be cold and dead in the ground before I roll for that. <laughs>
1: Okay, we got to talk about combat before we're done. We get yelled. How long
2: at. have we been talking?
1: Uh, if you factor in all the times that the internet broke because we're recording in a fucking garage, yeah, uh, about about fifty minutes. So we're gonna go to about, about an hour, hour and, and a half. We'll be fine. So, real quick to get, to get into combat, this game's combat system is. There's a couple things that are worth talking about. I already mentioned you can roll either cool or vigilance for initiative. But one thing that's really neat about this game's initiative system is once you populated who gets what initiative systems or what points in the initiative uh, chart. You then remove all the names and just uh, return who's on what side. So you go things like, okay, well, I, I happen to roll uh, two successes. Someone else rolled two successes in a crit. They're slightly above me. Uh, and then you go, okay, now those are player turns. And the ones that the uh, the DM rolled, are, those are DM turns. And you get to choose, as each turn comes up, who should fill that role based on who could do something useful in this moment.
0: Yes, um, although everybody so gets to take a turn, so you never have like yes. one person taking up two of those slots.
1: Yeah, so I thought that was kind of fun. Uh, combat otherwise is fairly straightforward to hit someone. You just add, if you're swinging in melee, you just put two difficulty dice in there. It's always difficulty two to hit someone with a melee attack. Range instead works based on range band mechanics, where the uh, the ra- the number of dice you add for difficulty increases the farther you are from your target. Uh, when you hit someone, you will uh, they they get a defense roll. Then you could compare it against their armor soak and their wound thresholds. It's all like we were saying, like I said earlier, this is one of those games that has every mechanic. So it obviously it has soak. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you got defense and you got soak, baby. Yeah, you got them all. Uh, and then you just go back and forth until someone is dead or gives up, and that's combat. What <laughs> that's else did combat. you need to know? See, I told you. Maybe <laughs> that's take too combat. Long. <laughs> Yeah,
0: this is one of those things that I appreciate about this game that combat does essentially work the same way kind of everything else works. Like if you wanted to get very granular mechanically on social stuff, uh, they recommend using strain as like kind of the hit points and having debates and negotiations work the way combat does. And they provide you with plenty of like maneuvers and things to, to make it feel similar to that. I I would never want to do that, but they allow you to do that and and think about it um, because they are essentially just trying to treat everything the same, uh, even if it's got little bits of unique stuff thrown in there.
1: Yeah. The one thing I found daunting about this book was we talked earlier about the specialization charts in the career section. A lot of them, every time I'd, I'd read a new entry in the specializations, I would just be kind of increasingly saddened by learning that there are more mechanics I don't want to deal with later. There's all these things like when you are making a lead others check to cause people to shake against conviction, you can reduce (laughs) or remove one black die per rank of leadership That because you could pick it multiple times in the grid. You have it. I'm like, oh, no, there's that in this game. I don't want that to be in this game to be a thing that you can purchase upgrades against
2: (laughs) also interesting to note that we have not said it yet you can buy more than one specialization oh yeah yeah Yeah. you can uh it's cheaper to buy it within whatever your career is so Mm -hmm. if like i'm an ace pilot i can also then be like well fuck it i'll buy stuff and start being a gunner too yeah but you can also just be like Ah, fuck it, I'm going to take some other career
1: shit. Well, one thing that's notable there, and we meant, uh, something I, I meant to bring up way earlier, but we were having mic issues, when James was talking about how boring this game's set of career options are by comparison just to the other two books, all I could think is that there is a sidebar in this book that like, kind of apologizes and explains why there are so many duplicate specializations between this book and Edge of the Empire. Huh. Where, you know, in this book, yeah, you have a saboteur and it's part of the engineer tree, but it's also an edge of the empire just under a different career. Yeah. And that happens apparently a lot between the two. Um, well, I mean, you have
2: a soldier in here, and I'm like, there has to be just fighter guy in it's
1: the It's probably other like one. a mercenary career or something. Yeah. It is indeed uh, mercenary, uh, so th- yes. Yeah. Hey, so, look at that. <laughs> it's just Star Wars, come on. Uh, hey! <laughs> but, but yeah, you can't choose the same specialization out of two different careers, even if you really wanted to. Um, but that is kind of a, it is neat that you can jump around between the three books. So if you start a character here and you're like, "Oh, I'm Luke Skywalker, I first, my first adventure is mostly X-wing pilot, but later I'm going to learn Jedi stuff. I guess it's better for Corn Horn who really does go through like four full life careers. Hey, but, uh, man, his GM
2: way, way too generous with the
0: XP. Kinda. <laughs> yeah. Uh, All right. Well, he's we, wasting we got, it on oh, careers. So that's fine. Um, Here's a quick quiz for you boys. How much does it cost to purchase an Imperial-class star destroyer?
1: I don't know. The book's here. I can look it up. There's, there's. It depends on which. Oh, you're talking Imperial class and not Imperial not class. class. I'm telling you, they
0: they list the price right here, so I can tell you.
1: Yeah, I, I'm def- Oh, please do because I'm, I'm definitely not flipping through the book.
0: Million credits, which feels huh.
1: too light, cheap. Yeah, <laughs> it feels very cheap. Yeah. Because it costs way more than that to build a fighter airplane if you if you transmit credits one-to-one to, one to dollars.
0: It's a fire sale on Imperial-class <laughs> Star Destroyers. We produced too many. I can't get rid of them. I'm not going to bring them to a planet where they're full of death lasers. I'm going to sell them you know now, and I'm passing the savings on
1: to you. Look, I'm not I'm not an expert on the Kuwati or their famous drive yards, but I would be willing to guess that that might actually be the case that they need to move those units once they're built because like like once you build a star destroyer, you're responsible for that thing and it's a mile long and it takes 4000 crew members. Well, let me tell you, if you start this at the end
2: of uh episode 6 mm-hmm. and you're like, "Man, all the ones that were sitting in the lot
1: <laughs> have got to go." And they're like, who the fuck are we selling these to now? Petty warlords, Zinge, Leonia, Tavira, exactly. Hethlir.
2: But most of the petty warlords already had one that they were commanding, yeah. which means you gotta find new retail ways to sell those Star Destroyers.
1: <laughs> Booster Tarek's probably your first big first big <laughs> <to go. laughs> So
0: no, this isn't yeah, a Star there's, Destroyer; there's... it's an Ultima, Okay. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I want the one with the sport package. Give me a Star Destroyer that's got a moon roof. Although I tell you, if I
2: could buy a Nissan Star Destroyer, that would be a great thing to try and sell.
1: All right, we kind of get into favorites and least favorites. Yeah, we do. Can, can mm-hmm. we start? Can we do that? I'll I'll start with John. Uh, John, what was your favorite thing about uh, Age of Rebellion?
2: Uh, I like, honestly, one of the things that was brought up as being like, a bad thing about this okay. of the fact that it has just a useless fucking weird classes being I mean, like, Hey everybody, <laughs> I'm a diplomat. And you're like, why are you in this game? Larry Le- yeah. was a diplomat. That's exactly. fine. Yeah. I like the, the fact that you could make a game in age of rebellion. you are like, we're playing star Wars. What are you doing? oh, we're mostly doing backroom deals, mm-hmm. we're really talking to people, we don't go and fight ever.
1: Yeah, That's not a thing we do. You play as Leia, Mon Mothma, Crix and all you do is hang around in the in the command room and, like, argue logistics. Hell and, yeah. If, if you could, you could, The other thing is, because you can jump around between the specializations, it isn't really that much of a problem to be like, well, I started my career as a diplomat, but, you know, ultimately I did need to learn it. Like, you, I'm guessing Leia picks up Wilderness Scout as one of those specializations at some point, because she's... Good at Endor stuff,
2: huh. is so. she though? Is she good at Endor stuff? Hey, she or is who... she
1: good at talking to an Ewok? <laughs> you know what? That's wilderness scout, baby. Right, right. right That's there. diplomat, That's baby. What that is when she's like, "Hey, you want foody little thing?" And he's and he's like, "I do want whatever that popcorn yeah. nugget is." Diplomacy. <laughs> it's woods diplomacy. That's scouting. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> Making deals with trees. <laughs> you don't know, first of all. <laughs>
2: First of all, that tree got in the way of that speeder. Gee, bike. I wonder
1: where that Ewok
2: lives. Oh, right. Bright tree village. Yeah. Yeah. She wasn't making deals with the village. <laughs> Let's Jenny, fight right now. Okay.
1: <laughs> no. Okay. That's your favorite thing is that some of the careers are silly. So but, I like, I like cover Star Wars. Dress. Sure. That's fine. James, what's your favorite thing about uh, this book?
0: Uh, this book. I mean, I'm going to make it the thing about the system uh, overall. Uh, because yeah, the stats it,
1: is fine. Yeah. This book contains the system.
0: The dice, man, love the dice. Absolutely love the dice. Okay, that's fair. I I think uh, they, they do stuff very efficiently, and uh, there's mm-hmm. a lot of interest. Non-binary results are what I want out of a role-playing game.
1: Everybody loves a good non-binary. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's a, it's the a right time of year to celebrate the non-binary results. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I am going to say the thing I like the most about this game. Uh, is the... Then I will say it uh, Right now, here it comes. It's going to come out of my mouth. I'm definitely not casting about. Uh, no, I like the species. I, I think they did a great job breaking down the species, what they are, how they operate, where they're from, and so on. Um, I, I understand that, obviously, you do a, uh, Edge of the Empire first, which means everyone's favorite species. Wookiee is obviously going to be over there. Uh, but this book does a an interesting uh, grouping of species that I, I, I thought were very playable, and I, I like that they are... Because they start with such basic, very close to each other stat lines, and you have enough XP to kind of fix what you want, it doesn't hurt to say, I'm going to play as a Bothan, but I want to play as a, like a Bothan Terras master or something. It's like a, a straight-up yeah. martial arts badass. It will not cost me that much or be that detrimental to do it. They have flavor, but they also have enough flexibility to play the way you want to.
0: Yeah, so exactly. Like it's it's soul, just enough mechanics to make it matter um like mm-hmm. or make it
1: feel like you're making a big choice but you're not really absolutely john what would you say is your least favorite thing
2: oh goodness uh my least favorite thing in here if i want to narrow it down to one very specific thing i got to say it's probably starting credits the amount that the game gives you to outfit a starting player is so little. And I know it at least in Age of Rebellion, they kind of were like, Oh, well, you're in a rebellion. If you need something for a mission, they'll give it to you. But the fact that you're like, What do you have? I got like a hundred bucks and I can buy like a gun and that's it. I'm just running around in like a jacket and gun. <laughs>
1: <laughs> then again, that's how everyone runs around in Star Wars.
2: Yeah. But it for a game that's like, here's so much equipment, I know, shit. I know you cannot touch any of it. Don't you dare, you filthy heathen!
1: I'm just uh, okay. Uh, let, let's go off the, uh, the the recent TV, The Mandalorian. That guy's got lots of stuff, but he's probably he's probably high level. But can you start as the Mandalorian? No, not even close. No, no. you could start as a bounty hunter. Yeah, you can start as a bounty hunter, but not one who's got like. If you traded ha- a ton you-
0: of duty, you probably could. I can't remember how much duty they like give you to start. Well, but- you can.
1: Uh, Yeah, you can trade, you can only five trade up thousand. to 10. Yeah.
0: 10 duty. Yeah, I think
1: you change 10 duty, ten duty out for about gives you like 2, 10
0: credits. So yeah, that, that's not even enough yeah. to
1: really get. Hmm. No, you can't even get his Anbo face pulse rifle or let alone his armor. Uh, anyway, yeah. I mean, I, like most systems, I would not level.
0: suggest you start as like a, a dirt nothing starting character. Like I, I really yeah. would recommend against that.
1: Start at level three, just like D and D.
0: Yep. Yeah, uh, In James, a Game that does not have levels.
1: <laughs> started something like level three. Like 50 started with a couple. Of some, some th- yeah. Th- Fifty X- XP. It's fine, James. What's your least favorite thing? Uh,
0: probably that Fantasy Flight got purchased by a private equity firm and they laid off everybody who made this book. That is true. But that is, but true. if we turn from that, if we turn from that, I I, I do think there are. What they wanted out of this book is like a kitchen sink thing. They wanted to give enough material that every contingency for whoever could be picking up and opening this book could be met. And I think what that creates is a nearly 500-page role-playing book, which wards off the people that are benefiting from a lot of the mechanical subsystems that they have created to hold those people's hands. Um, Like... I understand what they were going for. I, I kind of feel like they didn't quite hit it because there's so much stuff in the book. I I agree. I mean, the
2: fact that they had to put so much in here and so many subsystems to be like, we are worried that you won't be creative enough to figure shit out for yourself, means that the people who would be intimidated by trying to come up with their own shit would be intimidated by the book.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And ultimately, the fact that they got purchased means that we're here today discussing it, because otherwise it would still be in print, I assume. <laughs> yeah, please. We I'm don't not, care about that anymore. That, that's, that's gone by the wayside. We can't keep doing that forever. And besides, that'd be a pretty callous thing to actually say. Um, yeah, it is kind of a bummer that they that they uh, were. were. It's, it's nice that they got so much out that they did. Like, yes, they were at the point where they had covered pretty much the three pillars of Star Wars.
0: Yeah, I, I would be curious how much longer this line would have lasted if uh, FFG had remained independent. Um, like, th- there were so many supplements. But, like, the thing is, they were still making more – they're still making more Star Wars stuff. Uh, they had yeah. only really did one adventure that was set in the sequels era. Um, so mm-hmm. there was still ground that they could have covered, uh, I, I, I think. But, like, yeah, it would have been splat books at that point. <laughs> It would have been probably a company, like, looking at the decision of, should we do a second edition so we can sell three core books again? Um, yeah. And, you know, it well, would be just, hard to blame them just, for uh, doing that.
1: What they, <laughs> could, what they should have done is, if they could – I mean, this is just theory crafting. rebrand these three books to match up to the, the uh, original movies and then release, like – you know, Star Wars Episode One core book. Oh, Okie see, I Day thought you we were going to say
2: the three trilogies, and you'd have one
1: core like book for the prequels, mm-hmm. one for the main, and one for the sequels. See, that's what you'd be writing if you didn't want $60 nine times.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I,
1: and, like, the thing is, like, they, did, they did cover a lot of
0: the prequel <laughs> stuff. Like, the most of what FFG did with the Star Wars license was kind of errorless, and you get to see this in their miniature games and their card games and whatnot. They kind of, you know, through everything. Like you were getting prequel ships, you were getting sequel ships, you were getting uh, original trilogy ships uh, in in their miniatures games. Um, and you were kind of getting that too. Like towards the end of managing this line, like they finally released some clone trooper stuff. Uh, so yeah,
1: yeah This book, this book has uh, like I think the V nineteen in it. That's a that's a prequel era ship. Yeah. So my least favorite thing. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna. I, I'm sticking to my guns on this one. I, I still find it very weird how you spend so much time rolling these extremely narrative-derived dice. That you're supposed to look at and go like, "Oh, neat!" Because of you know, I got a success and I got a crit, but there's so much disadvantage that my success is going to cause a negative impact thing to happen, and uh, and we can play off what that is. That part I love. But then when you're like, I got three advantage, I I can make it so my gun shoots an area blast. Is like those I. I don't know that I feel like those two mechanics make sense being parceled together like that um, because it feels like when you're trading out narrative functionality for mechanical opportunities that your guns have, like you're, you're missing the fact that the narrative opportunity is there because narrative stuff is awesome.
0: No, I, I think it's, I think the mechanical stuff is there for people who don't want to fuck with that. Like, that, 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 that That's is fair. always how I've treated it is like if somebody cares mostly about the mechanics, then, yeah, you have these little symbols that they can pair off to their individual gun abilities and they're still at the table with the narrative players and it hasn't caused a problem for anyone.
2: Yeah, I mean, the only yet issue yeah. I really see with it is when you're looking at the thing and you're like, oh, I got, you know, these symbols and I could narrate something interesting but you have to be able to give me something that's interesting enough that it offsets a very concrete mechanical advantage that I could spend
1: for. Mm. Yeah, that is true. That's that's pretty much what I was where I was get, uh, going gotcha, to. Gotcha, gotcha, uh, gotcha. Yeah, but now having said that, I I now go around the table and ask the uh, the, the follow up question. John, would you play this game? Uh, I I'd, I'd play Age of Rebellion. Why not? Yeah, and you know what? I'll go ahead and expand this question. Would you play FFG Star Wars?
2: Yeah, I mean, even though my f- my first real experience with it, as we mentioned, was full-blown Keystone Cops <laughs> tripping over our own dicks.
1: I think we were just, just calling for too many roles.
2: Just absolute shenanigans. <laughs> I was like, oh man, we're bad and everything is bad. I thought we were going to be cool
1: heroes. <laughs> <laughs> I had 50 extra XP. I, I, I had the extra 50 and I was still like, wow. uh, bleh, every time. <laughs> Maybe,
2: maybe it was a fluke, a one, a one-time thing. I would love to have an extra one, like run a control group. <laughs> sure, sure. One
0: I, yeah, of these days. I, I mean, I'm I have a lot of this what game. The, what the difficulties were? Because this is a game where if you are a GM and not experienced in figuring out, oh, this is this should be average, this should be hard. Uh, it can break down to. I am over assigning way too heavy difficulties for everything. And then, yeah, people are going to fail all the time.
1: Yeah, that could be, I I mean, ultimately what I kept rolling was just nothings, like no advantage, (laughs) no disadvantage. And I know that's still just like a failure, but I was really hoping for some advantage or just, you know, something to inform the narrative in some way beyond like, uh, I guess I don't do the thing I said I did.
0: It is the worst, especially great
1: in the game.
2: (laughs) I think it was wonderful. The few times where we had, uh, all successes and failures cancel out. And then there's like one threat and you're like, cool, I guess I'm just dumb.
0: <laughs>
1: well, the guys <laughs> who are chasing you chase you even better, I guess. <laughs> so uh, James, would you play this?
0: I, I think probably for like seven years. Okay. But let me give you a harder question. Would you play this with us? <laughs> oh How yeah. Is that harder? A thousand percent. That, that makes it even more delightful. Okay, follow-up question. Why haven't we been
2: on your goddamn show? Because uh, it wasn't his show. It wasn't my show. Star Wars campaign. That was
1: yeah. not yeah, my well, show. How come we weren't
0: on when you were running Genesis?
1: <laughs> well, I First mean, of all, we have been you, on, you uh, have uh, on been, Skyjax. But you didn't
0: get to play Genesis, which that is fair, you know? Yeah. Well, we yeah, we got to have y'all back on. We'll we'll figure something out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> We've been yeah. The COVID basically shut it down. But we we were on we, we did a Skyjax episode of Blimp laggers
0: Yeah, but we were in a Skyjacks
2: episode. We which were is canon. we were in our own little. World. It's
1: cannon, John.
2: Yeah, and that we
1: were shot out of a cannon into <laughs> nowhere, <laughs> where we belong. Well, it's hard to organize. And Claire was like uh, incredibly was like sick, dying. Yeah, dying. Yeah, that was that was. <laughs> So uh, hopefully, like, like uh, I've mentioned to her before that that you and I are, or you and us are going to be recording things, and she's like, "Oh no, am I involved? I made such a bad impression." I'm like, "No, you didn't. You no, were fine. You're fine. Did. You're just oh, visibly Claire, ill."
0: <laughs> I, Claire, I am too big a fan. Uh, I hope Claire listens to this episode. I want to point out, I'm too big a fan of Claire from listening to Claire on your shows for a mm-hmm. bad impression to have been made. And also, I'm not going to sit at a table and go, "This person's sick." <laughs> They're not good at <laughs> <Yeah>. role playing games.
1: <laughs> well, I, I I will now. Things have it's a different world.
0: Things have changed. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> uh,
1: all right, and uh, I I would also. I mean, I had that one bad experience trying to play this, but I I, I really just I like the engine a lot. I would definitely try this again. Uh, and in fact, here's here's a fun detail. We've made some characters for it. Oh and, my goodness. Yeah. I, and, and before I take the spiel too far, because, you know, do, do, I know people are already turning it off and skipping, because that's how spiels work. Uh, l- listen up, because this one's going to be free. <laughs> listen up, idiots. <laughs> <laughs> this one's going to be on the Patreon feed, just like it always is, but it will not be paywalled. Uh, that's because James is here to be uh, doing some special stuff. Uh, which I'm going to, to uh, fling to him to explain in just a second. But as always, to explain it, if you go to patreon.com slash system mastery, normally if you support us at the $1 level, not this time, you will get our bonus content where we make characters in the game, go into greater depth, greater detail explaining what we learn through the process of character creation, uh, make some fun, funny characters, and uh, describe them to each other and to you. And this time, we're adding to that because James didn't and isn't going to make a character. Instead... What are you going to do?
0: So I have a new book coming out. It actually comes out on my birthday, June 14th. It is called The Ultimate RPG Character Backstory Guide Expanded Genres Edition. This is a sequel to my first book uh, where the essential purpose of it was to have uh, exercises and mini games and uh, prompts to help you. Develop more complex character backstories uh, that either to bring to your table and have a richer character as you play or to away from your table, just have a little bit more fun, play and pretend with your character. Um, The the first book did great. So they opened it up to have more genres apart from uh, fantasy. So. If you liked that first book uh, but you're like, man, I really wish this wasn't just about D&D and D&D type games. I've got really good news. We've got a new one, and it's longer, and it's better. Um, uh, one of so these days. You'll be able to see it in action in, you know, hopefully the next podcast that you queue up in your feed.
1: Yeah. One of these days, I I have to look at the timeline because we write for the same publisher that James does. Uh, so when you when you purchase his books, you're, you're – uh, you're, you're fueling the same publisher that, that uh, has our cookbooks and so on happen. Um, but there was a point when we were writing a cocktail guide where they asked us to write every genre. Where they were like, put in cyberpunk jokes and space jokes and all, or, or cocktails and so on. And we did in the in the initial pitch documents. And then they shot it back and they're like, no, only fantasy, only mm-hmm. D and D, D and D forever. And I'm like, I'm wondering if that's because the the, the uh, editorial was like, I don't know what the cyberpunk shit is, or if it was the success of one of James's books, so they're like, well, we could maybe turn this cocktail guide into two cocktail guides. <laughs> It's
0: interesting,
1: that. yeah.
2: <laughs> or it was, nobody knows what anything is but D&D, don't try and dilute.
1: Uh, that could very well be. But yeah, that's that's uh, cool. Where can people find your mini fine books and pre-order them and so on?
0: Uh, So you can find this one if you go to bit.ly RPG Backstory 2 with the numeral 2. Uh, It'll take you right to the Simon & Schuster page for this book. That links all of the online retailers. Uh, It also will show you the major brick-and-mortar retailers that have the book. But I truly recommend, if you have a friendly local game store or an indie brick-and-mortar bookstore that you like, to give them a call. Uh, if they don't have the book, have them special order it in. Give that money to a small business.
1: Man, that's a good way to get that done because one thing I have learned – and uh, James, let me just ask you real quick. Do you also go to your local bookstores to find your own books?
0: Yeah, of course. And I sign all of them. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, I do that every time just so I can be like, ah, oh, there's my book. It's in a store. Mm-hmm. But I have yet to find one in a game store. People have sent me pictures of them in game stores in other states, but I've never seen one in a California game store. And I don't know what I have to do to make this happen. Yeah. I'll uh, be famous. Yeah, that's what it is. I, I don't think I've seen. I one saw a year, in, I saw one years ago.
0: Any game stores that were not like I've seen them in like British game stores. I don't think I've seen them in American game stores.
1: I've seen one of yours in an American game store, um, so, so it has happened. But yeah, anyway, as, as I was saying, patreon.com slash system mastery. It's going to be in the main feed, and like I said, special this time only because James gave us a lot of money. Uh, it's going to be free, so, uh, so it, everybody gets to listen to this one. And
0: hopefully and that will show you, yeah, you should be giving these boys $2. Give them $2. What What are you going <laughs> to use it for? Come on. What is that?
2: Yeah. It's worth your You can't even get a McDouble for that anymore.
1: (laughs) A travesty, indeed. Uh, So there you go. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you in the bonus content. This time, I hope we'll see all of you in the bonus content. And until next time, I hope you... Oh, first of all, James, thank you so much for being here and for joining us.
0: Hey, thank you for having me. Thank you for letting me talk. I know that I have to Mm -hmm. sit through every single recording, as does everybody else who's part of the OneShot Network. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's just cool to be at a microphone this time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I I know I did this wildly out of order, but do you have anything else you would also like to plug?
0: Uh, You know, you could always check out, if you like this role-playing system, why not check out campaign skyjacks where we use the genesis rpg which is the generic version of this system to tell a a wonderful tale about sky pirates in a world that was inspired by the music of the decemberists it's weird but it's
1: very entertaining i constantly forget that decemberist part (laughs) yeah i'm not well i'm not i'm not making fun that's not that's not a gag i'm just saying every time i'm like oh yeah it is
0: if you want, if you were like, "Huh, I wonder what like a kind of pirate fantasy world would look like if it was inspired by a band that likes to bandy about a bunch of ten dollars words uh, uh, when they're writing about sad sailors," this is the podcast for you. Weird that you were wondering yeah, it, that. This is the one for you. If you liked our flag means death, you're probably gonna like this show.
2: Look, if you want sad boys in the sky, have I got a podcast.
1: And, and you know, what John might point out is a huge bonus if you listen to uh, to Skyjacks is that you will never even accidentally encounter the System Mastery boys.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's canon! It's canon! (laughs) The, The ripples from your appearance are still having an impact on the world.
1: I know, we're kidding. So thank you so much for listening, everybody. Uh, Check out every other good show on the One Shot Network. Check out Campaign Skyjacks. Buy our books. Buy James's books. Uh, Support us on Patreon. Lots and lots of calls to action this week. But otherwise, you all have a really good one.
0: Design Doc started as a podcast about designing a role-playing game. Over the years, it's turned into so much more. It's a show about the challenges of burnout, making money from creative projects, and what goes into bringing a game to life. Come along with Hannah and Evan in a living documentation of the game design process, One review described it as the audio equivalent of taking a hike with a good friend. You can search for Design Doc on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.